Great to be with you. My name is Matt. For those of you I haven't met, uh, we are excited to open the scriptures uh, together this morning. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Genesis 2, verse 20, right there in the first couple pages of your Bible, and we'll pick up there in a moment. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we announced that our family is feeling called to move to the Philippines in 2024. And with that comes a big change for our family and a big change for the church as well. So over the course of the last few weeks, if you've been around, we've been talking about the necessity of change in an expanding kingdom of God, that it's always required change and always will require change as the kingdom of God expands across the earth. And we were also talking about how the people of God can deal with change in a healthy way. And we had talked through the five different stages of grief and loss uh, that most people experience with major change. And then last week, we made another big announcement in that we shared that River's Edge will be merging with Soma over the course of the next few months. And Soma is, uh, if you missed that announcement, uh, surprise. Uh, but if you missed that announcement, uh, Soma is a like-minded church that meets two blocks from here. And uh, last week we shared kind of the full backstory of uh, how that idea came about and how we have sensed the Lord's leading in that direction. Uh, and we are kind of continuing on that theme this morning, but it, we're going a little bit deeper into uh, casting some vision of what this um, could look like or should look like and what we believe the Lord wants to do in the midst of it. Uh, so uh, we are going to pick up in Genesis chapter 2 as I was preparing to sort of go deeper with this announcement and cast some vision and uh, talk about what the future might look like. These were actually the verses that came to mind and they're actually verses on marriage. They're verses from the very first marriage in the beginning in Genesis chapter 2. And so for context uh, for these verses, the God who created the heavens and the earth, everything that exists was created by Him. That same God has just created the first human in the form of Adam. But after proclaiming over His creation during that process, it is good, it is good, it is good. For the first time, we hear God say, it is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will create for him a bride that complements who he is, that makes him stronger. The uh, imagery and language used here is sometimes translated a suitable helpmate or something like that, which isn't bad language, but it's actually the same words that was used, that was used for uh, reinforcements in a battle. So I'm fighting this battle. I don't think we have the resources to win, but then reinforcements come. So there's a sense, if you're reading it in the original language, one of the many things that you could pull from this text is that Adam is up against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, he's called to go into the unformed chaos of this new world and bring order and beauty to it. And uh, it, there's almost a sense in which he it will probably lose this battle unless he has a helpmate, a wing woman. <laughs> Uh, someone who has his back and can tip the scale in the other direction toward victory. This is how the story reads, picking up in verse 20. It says, But for Adam, no suitable helper or proper partner was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. The imagery again is from his side as his equal. And he brought her to the man. You can almost imagine God sort of walking her down the aisle, so to speak, toward the man. And the man responds. He says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And then verse 24, we'll focus in today, says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Before we go any further, I'll ask you to join me in prayer. Lord, we look to you in all things. You are the one who created us. You are the one who uh, was speaking over us before we even knew what it was to speak ourselves. You are the one who loved us uh, fiercely and sacrificially before we even knew what it was uh, to attempt to love another. And Lord, you are the one who is with us even now as our shepherd and as our guide. And so I pray that you uh, would be a felt presence with us today and in the weeks ahead, that you would guide us in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we announced that River's Edge will be merging with Soma and that the two will become one flesh. Uh, In a sense, it was an engagement announcement, which speaks to the eventual wedding of these two churches. But this morning, I want to go a little deeper into the why behind this marriage. Or said another way, through the lens of the text we were reading this morning, uh, last week we sort of looked at the genesis of the idea. Uh, Where did this come from? How was this idea born? Uh, Why do we feel that God is the one leading us together or walking us down the aisle, so to speak, uh, into this new reality? Uh, And this week I want to talk about why we think this is a good thing. Or said another way, by the end of the teaching this morning, I hope we're able to say with greater clarity, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife and the two become one flesh. This is why uh, we are stepping out of what is known or comfortable or familiar in order to be united with another. In the big picture, in the grand scheme of things, we believe that God is the one leading these two churches together, as he did with Adam and Eve, uh, as he does with every uh, marriage in in which both the man and the woman are walking in step with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And that's reason enough for us to move forward and to go through with this and see what the Lord has for us. But you'll notice in the text that we read that there's also this rejoicing that happens. It's not simply a mechanical, oh, well, God is doing this and God's bringing us together and that's just kind of the end of the the story and the scene falls. Uh, What you actually see is that uh, Adam and Eve are uh, participating in this. God's leading them together, but there's also this sort of rejoicing that happens 
as they come together as one. They see and celebrate in each other complementary gifting and design. And so they say in a sense, wow, what God is doing in you and what God is doing in me actually fits really well together. I can see uh, the unique combination that this is going to create. There's a synergy that happens between the two. It's actually better that the two become one. And then you have Adam sort of rejoicing and saying, wow, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And as he's doing that, I think there's a sense that this marriage, uh, like any marriage, is going to have its difficulties. It's not going to be uh, easy all the time. But at the same moment, there's a sense that it's deep and rich and good and fitting for them to do this. And we believe many of the same things about our upcoming uh, church marriage with Soma. That like any marriage, there will be bumps along the road and the surprise that comes with adjusting to a new house and a new last name and new people to relate to. But like any healthy marriage, we believe that the pros outweigh the cons, that we are better together than we would be apart, that we have reason to uh, rejoice uh, even as there are things along the way that create a sense of loss or uh, change or differences as we move forward. In fact, uh, when my wife and I got married, we were both thrilled to be coming together in marriage. We were over the moon, excited. We were saying in a sense, God, this is the one for me. I couldn't think of a better combination. I see the unique way in which you've led us together in which we complement each other. But that doesn't mean that our marriage has been easy. And we didn't believe that it would be when we stepped into that. In fact, if you remember the five stages of uh, grief and loss that we all often experience in the midst of change, we talked about this several weeks ago, but those five stages were uh, denial, bargaining, anger, sadness, and eventually acceptance that leaves room for uh, excitement moving forward. And I think my wife and I, in our own way, went through many of these stages early in our marriage. We were thrilled to be together. There was no question that we wanted to get married. But we still experienced many of these things because everything is new and you're adjusting to a new person and to a new normal and a new marital status. And you have to find new rhythms in life and new rhythms in life with God. And there are uh, gains and losses to both celebrate and mourn along the way. I remember uh, my wife distinctly struggled with uh, the shift that happened between, with these deep friendships that she had had with her and all of these single gals in the church that all of a sudden was different now. It just had to be different. It, it changed. And so there was something to uh, mourn within that. And uh, there were times that one or both of us were deeply sad or in denial or grieving something that was lost, or we uh, had feelings of feeling confused or disoriented because of all of the changes. Our marriage was beautiful. It was healthy. It was fitting. It was right. We were thrilled to be married. We were crazy for each other. But still, there was this uh, shock that came with it of readjusting to the changes of uh, the two slowly becoming one. And as we've walked through these years together in our marriage, I wouldn't say that it's been flawless or that it's been easy. There's been plenty of difficulty along the way. Sometimes marriage is really hard. 
but my wife and I can still look at each other and say, well, this is worth it. We are better together than we are apart. We are stronger together than we are apart. We uh, enrich our lives in a special way, and the kingdom of God is advanced through our marriage and through our family in a unique way that's different than, than what we experienced in our singleness. And really, that's our prayer, I think, for the upcoming marriage of our churches, that we, as we step into this uh, new season and with all that it's going to bring, that the kingdom of God will advance as these two communities reinforce one another, to use that language from Genesis, as we become one another's helpmates, as we complement each other and ultimately become one flesh. In their book, Better Together, on making church merges uh, flourish, Jim Tomberlin and Warren Bird appeal to a number of nationwide studies that were conducted to show the potential for church mergers. And basically, they make the case that 80 to 85% of all churches in America aren't growing numerically. That's the vast majority of churches in our country that sort of flatlined. They're either um, stagnant or shrinking. Uh, which means, of course, they're not multiplying and planting new churches either. And he said, these 80 to 85% of churches would, would all benefit from a healthy church merge. But then he goes on to say that the other 15 to 20% of churches that are growing uh, have also been shown time and time again to benefit from merging with another healthy church, even if the other church is stagnant or in decline. So as a result, in their book, they conclude that 100% of American churches would benefit from merging with another church, assuming that it's done well and in a healthy way, following some of their guidelines. And uh, many of the church merges that they've studied and tracked over the years have found that one plus one doesn't equal two, but instead one plus one equals three. And this is a bit counterintuitive, but as two churches come together in God's timing, what they found is that something new was born that was greater than what either church had individually. So if your church has 100 people and my church has 50 people, you would expect the new church to have 150 people. But it doesn't. Something new is born in the process. If your church averages 10 baptisms a year, and my church averages two baptisms a year, you'd expect that we'd average about 12 baptisms a year. But time and time again, they found that's actually not the case. There's something more that God does in the process. There's this unique synergy that happens in healthy church marriages in which the new thing that is born is better than the sum of its parts. And I think that's how healthy marriage works too. My wife is a great lady, and I'm not a bad guy. Individually, we're okay. Like, we're, we're all right. But when the two of us come together, something new is born out of that marriage. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, we've even uh, multiplied out and grown through kids that have been born out of the oneness of that marriage. So for Abby and I, one plus one doesn't equal two, 
1 plus 1 equals 6 or 8 or whatever we end up with in the end. We're better together than we are apart. And so as we contemplate marrying in with Soma, this is what we're anticipating and this is what we're dreaming about. That our church uh, community will experience this type of synergy that so many churches have experienced in this process. Uh, We, uh, I would argue that our church is part of the 80 to 85% of churches in America that aren't currently growing, that are pretty much uh, stable in their numbers. We're not growing numerically. We're not planting new churches. Well, we might be growing numerically, but it's just from having babies, like lots of, lots of babies. Uh, but outside of that, we aren't seeing numerical growth. We aren't seeing new baptisms. In fact, in this space, we don't even have the means of baptizing people, uh, which only compounds the problem. But we aren't a growing, multiplying church right now. We're a healthy church, and I think we have a depth of relationship and discipleship and maturity that many churches would would dream of having, would love to have. And so we rejoice over that. But there's also a sense in, in my heart in which we're sort of bumping up against an invisible ceiling, that we're sort of bumping up against a limit that uh, we're longing to break through. And, and that's been my prayer, that, that we would break through this sort of invisible ceiling that we've been bumping up against and, uh, and, and break out into new life and new kingdom advance. I think there's sort of life that feels like it's pent up a bit in our church that, that hasn't seen its full kingdom expression yet. And we, in some sense, are bumping up against the natural limits of how many kids we can fit downstairs, or our budget, or our kids' volunteers uh, who are getting tired along the way. And so my prayer has been, Lord, would you uh, allow the, the life that's locked up, that's pent up inside of our church to sort of break through some of those natural limits uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God? In fact, one of the images that I've had of our church recently is of a potted plant. And I thought about using one of these, but they're plastic, so it's not really the best, the best metaphor. But if you can picture in your mind a living plant that's in a pot, uh, there's, it, it's, it could be healthy. Like I would say our church is healthy. It's well cared for. It uh, has all of that potential in it. But because it's in a pot, its roots can only stretch out so far. Eventually, it hits the edges of that pot and and slows down. It it can't push beyond that pot, and as a result, the tree, even though it's healthy, will only grow to a certain height. Eventually, it stops growing or just grows very slowly because of the natural limits that it's constrained by. Uh, But if you take that tree out of that pot and you put it into another place, into a healthy soil, Well, all of a sudden, those same roots begin to grow and spread out, and the tree begins to grow and flourish and come to maturity and begin to multiply, and it lends strength to the entire forest, so to speak, because of that change. That's one of the the things I'm praying or anticipating for our community. Another analogy that I've had in my mind is our church like a wild vine. 
that's sort of growing along the ground, and the vine is healthy, and it's bearing fruit. But imagine what happens when you take that wild vine and you just lift it up and you put it onto a trellis. Same vine, same people, same community, but placed onto a new trellis, all of a sudden that same vine becomes much more fruitful. It begins to grow and multiply in a way that it wasn't before. Or just to keep the analogies rolling, uh, I've pictured our two churches like two rivers of different sizes that are going through the same valley. And if you're in either river, you could say, this is good. I enjoy being in this river. This is a good thing. I like life here. But we're anticipating this moment in which two rivers that have been going side by side come together. And in that moment when they come together, the two rivers form a new one. The, the two become one. And as they do that, the new river is actually stronger and deeper than either of the rivers were before. All of the boats that were on those rivers sort of rise together in the confluence of those two rivers becoming one. This is another way to describe what I've been praying for. This experience of a confluence as we have it in our hearts to bless them, and they have it in their hearts to bless us, and we continue on in that pattern until the day comes when there is no more them and us, but just us moving together as one. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, and the two become one flesh. And this is what we're anticipating as we come together. My prayer is on the other side of this uh, journey and this marriage that we'll see more multiplication, more people encountering Jesus, more baptisms, more missional communities, and eventually more healthy church plants that are born out of that place. A new land lies ahead with new soil and a new trellis and a new last name. And like every marriage, each one of us, both husband and wife, sacrifice for the good of the other. Each give deference to the other out of reverence for Christ. Each will look to serve the good of the other above themselves. And if we both go in with that attitude, then something new will be born that's actually greater uh, not just greater than what we have here, but greater than what either one of us are experiencing right now. That all of us will experience something new, a fresh advance of the kingdom in the years that lie ahead. In the meantime, on the practical side, here's what the next couple of months are going to look like as we navigate the two becoming one. Uh, next Sunday, December 3rd, we are going to start a joint Advent series together teaching the same thing in two different locations. And I'll be teaching that first Sunday on December 3rd, but Steve Hart, who's the lead pastor of Soma, will actually be gathered with us next Sunday. And even though I'll be teaching, we're both going to be around afterward to do um, Q&A and to answer any questions that people might have. That following Sunday, December 10th, uh, Steve Hart is going to be with us again. He's going to be teaching here at River's Edge. 
a couple weeks later, on December 24th, we are going to have our normal Sunday gathering here as we celebrate Christmas together, 10 a.m. Christmas Eve. But then in the evening, from 4 to 5 p.m., there's an opportunity for both church communities to come together at the clock tower downtown to sing Christmas songs and do some scripture reading and celebrate together. Uh, that following Sunday, December 31st, is New Year's Eve, the last Sunday of the year. We're actually going to do a joint gathering where all of us will be gathered in the Soma building, which is like 100 yards from here. Uh, and we're going to worship together and share stories of what God's been doing and his faithfulness uh, and the life of our communities. Uh, the, as we step into the new year, again, both churches are going to start a new series together, teaching the same thing uh, in two different locations through the month of uh, January. And then the, one of the things, all of this information that I'm sharing right now is on our website and on, uh, there's some paper ha handouts in the back if you prefer that. So don't feel like you have to like memorize all of this right now. But one thing I do want to highlight for us is that January 17th is an important date. That's the start of Gospel Basics. And Gospel Basics is a 10-week course that SOMA actually runs twice a year. But this one's going to be a little bit different in that Steve Hart and I are going to be co-teaching the course together. And this is designed for uh, anyone in our community who knows they want to participate in this and knows they want to uh, marry in and be part of this journey. This is for you. If you're on the fence and you're still kind of praying and trying to decide, oh, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, I'm not really sure, this would be a great way to help discern uh, where, where God's calling you. If you really want to get a sense for, hey, what is this all about? Who are we going to be together? Gospel Basics is going to help answer that. And so that's um, a 10-week course, Wednesday evenings. Food and childcare are both provided. So all you have to do is come, show up, hand your kids over, and just enjoy uh, this time together. But that's going to be a really, I think, significant time for us and uh, an important time of discernment and leaning in together as we root ourselves in the beauty of the gospel and how we want to live out the gospel in community together. A couple weeks later, February 4th, is going to be our last Sunday in this building, and we're going to take time to celebrate uh, what God has done in this place uh, before stepping into the next chapter, which will start the following Sunday. February 11th is going to be sort of the, the marriage day, to continue that analogy. We, that's going to be the first Sunday where the two churches are one church in one location. And um, from that point forward, there's going to be a process of growing together, of learning each other, of uh, integration, and figuring out kind of what the new normal looks like. Uh, but from February 11th forward, we are laying down the name River's Edge. Uh, that's one of the things that's going to change as we move forward together in the two becoming one. That name or that title is going to be laid down. First off, because Soma's Edge uh, doesn't make logical sense in the Greek. Um, but on a more serious note, as the newer, smaller, joining church in the equation, we've elected to change our last name, so to speak. Uh, through the course of this marriage. And it's also worth noting that the name Soma uh, actually helps identify them as a family of churches. 
So it's a deeper part of their identity than River's Edge was for us. River's Edge for us um, was born out of the, the fact that we felt called to the West Central neighborhood and that part of the border of West Central follows the River's Edge. Uh, we also felt it spoke to the geography of Spokane and was loaded with some biblical imagery as well. So that name or that title, I think, has served us well over these last few years. But as we look forward to the future, it's going to make more sense for us to lay that aside than to attempt to uh, carry that forward. So Soma will be experiencing some major changes through this time of the two becoming one. And uh, they're looking to do some rebranding in the process. So all of us are going to be experiencing some major changes together. Uh, but the name Soma is going to continue through uh, into the new church and the new reality. Uh, another question that we got throughout the week since we made the announcement last Sunday was about our elder teams. And so we want to be clear that our elder team here at River's Edge is going to be serving alongside the existing elders uh, at SOMA through the process of uh, the merge and the, and the marriage and the integration before our elders pray about what's next if that makes sense. So we're going to be uh, deeply involved in the shepherding and leading and serving, making sure that our marriage gets off to a good start before the River's Edge elders say, essentially, Lord, how do you want me to serve the new body that's now been formed out of the two? We're estimating that something like 70% of the new body will be people who have never been to River's Edge and scriptures say to be slow in the laying on of hands. When you're going to appoint elders and put people in that position, you got to take it slow and you got to think it through. And so that's the attitude that we're having. Uh, I don't even have to pray about that because by the end of next year, our family's going to be in the Philippines. So that's not something that I will personally be pursuing. But for our other elders, we, we are going to first look to start off this marriage in the right way and integrate in a healthy way before we ask that question and start praying about what's next. Lord, how do you want me to serve this new body? Uh, what are you calling me to do in this season? And really, uh, that is going to be a healthy question for all of us to ask in the months ahead. Uh, God, where do you want me to serve for the sake of your kingdom? How can I be a blessing to others? in the midst of all of this change and transition. Just as a husband and a wife have a ton of grace for each other, especially early on as they're stepping into marriage uh, they, uh, and begin building a new life together, we want to have that same sort of grace for one another in this process. Hey, we're stepping into something new, uh, but just as a husband and wife honor one another and serve one another out of reverence for Christ, we want to do the same thing out of reverence for Christ. We want to have that same humility in serving one another, in honoring one another, and in seeking to elevate the other as we come together as one. And if we come with that attitude on our side, and uh, those who are waiting for us at SOMA come with that attitude on their side, then I think we have the makings of a really healthy marriage moving forward that will be marked by love, gratitude, and a fresh advance of the kingdom of God in our city. Over these months that I've just described, there will be victories and defeats. 
There will be joys and frustrations. There will be highs and lows. But that's marriage. And this is not beyond us. We believe as an elder team, as a leadership team, that this can be done and that this can be done well. That there's a new land, a new soil, a new trellis, and a fresh advance for the kingdom of God waiting for us as the two become one. This is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united with his wife, and the two become one flesh. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you now, Lord. We worship you now, recognizing that uh, part of being your disciples, part of being the people of God and the family of God, means that we are on the mission of God. And in some sense, that means that we are on the move, that there uh, is change in the air. And as we open the scriptures and read all the way back through, uh, it, it almost seemed like a prerequisite. If you want to be part of the people of God, you, you have to be ready for change. You have to be ready to, to pack up your stuff and follow God into new places, into new lands, into new territory for his sake, for his glory, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, as we recognize that, Lord, as something that uh, we're experiencing in this season and will experience again and again and again and again in the decades that lie ahead. Between now and when we see you face to face, the things we can count on is or that you will never stop loving us, that you will never abandon us, and, and that things will never truly be stagnant. There will always be change. Um, but as we're in a unique season of uh, large changes, Lord, we pray for your grace. We pray for your guidance. Uh, we pray for a sense of your nearness. God, I pray, that, uh, I pray that in our community that every emotion would be valid right now. Uh, that there, there would be no pressure to conform to, to a certain image. That there would be no pressure to uh, feel a certain emotion. Oh, we should all be really happy right now and have a smile. No, some, some will and some won't. I pray that we would have the time and space and grace for one another. Uh, to just be able to process. And again, as we open Scripture, and even as we see you come into humanity, putting on flesh and blood, uh, sending your Son to us, we can see he experienced every emotion as he followed after you in, in uh, constant change for the pursuit of the kingdom of God on earth. So, Lord, I pray that you would find us in that same place, that you would uh, meet with us now, just as we are, that we wouldn't generate any pressure on ourselves to uh, feel or act or look a certain way, but we would just be children coming before their Heavenly Father with uh, any anything that needs to be grieved. I pray that we would grieve it and grieve it well. Uh, and ultimately, Lord, uh, would you uh, prepare us 
to receive new things from you. Would all of us, Lord, be led uh, through the valley and up the next mountain and into a place of saying, all right, Lord, I, I cannot deny this. I cannot control this. These changes are coming. What do you have for me? What does it look like for me on the other side of uh, grieving and loss to embrace the new thing that you have and, and to move forward for the sake of the kingdom of God? So we uh, look to you now, Jesus. We worship you. Uh, we love you. And we trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name.